So I kind of let you guys in a little bit, kind of, kind of the what we're what we were thinking here. One of the things that's just kind of been on my mind a little bit lately. We do a lot of cool things on Sunday. I really like the way that we do Sunday. It's really kind of user friendly, real kind of bottom shelf. No matter how long you've been walking with God, or if you even know anything about God at all, it's never going to go over your head. You can feel safe and comfortable bringing just about anybody you want. You know, so that's kind of a, a, a big thing. I don't really want to adjust that for Sunday, but also we feel like this has kind of left a little bit of a gap of just kind of what we'll just kind of call next level theological depth of understanding. And so I value that. It's important. And I'm thinking, well, where can you do that? Well, you can't do it in small groups because, you know, most small group leaders aren't particularly equipped to teach doctrine. And so I was just kind of brainstorming a little bit about some different ideas. And I was like, man, what I would like to do, I think, is like maybe just record like a video series that we could put alongside our podcast that could be used in a lot of different ways. So then it goes from that, and I'm like, well, if I'm going to do that, and we're going to go through all the thing to kind of set up cameras and do all this, I mean, I kind of asked the question, what do you think anyone would want to just come and watch that? And then, well, I don't know, maybe. And then also we'll just see. And so we decided to make it kind of part of our Cultivate series classes that we've done. And so I say all that to kind of let you know kind of the format of what's going to happen. Um, this is not going to be particularly interactive. Um, so what we'll do is we're going to do a hard break here at some point, and then I'm going to pretend like I haven't said anything. And that will be the start of the, the video. And then what we'll do is we're going to do two sessions tonight, the one, you know, both under you know, approximately 20 to 30 minutes. And then what we'll do, this will be the bonus for you, this will be the bonus for you, is that in the break in between the, the video folks are going to switch some batteries and we can do questions. We can do, we can do some Q&A, so if you have any kinds of questions. So what we'll do is we'll do, we'll do one segment and then we'll do kind of a hard break and then we can interact a little bit, do some questions, the video guys will get things back up going again, and then we'll do session, session two and then we can do some more questions. And so I wanted to kind of let you guys know, really glad that you guys are coming. Right now our plan is to do this once a month and if it turns into a big thing and it turns into something that people have huge amount of interest in. It could become more than that. In my mind, this particular series is 12 sessions, which would then be six times. And so, you know, after about three, four, five of these, you know, if, you know, if there's a lot of momentum, there's some other uh, different sorts of things I think would be really good for this as well. See what kind of, um, how many people are watching this, looking at videos and stuff like that. So, um, we want this to be something that really kind of fills a gap, and so again, really glad you guys are here. Anybody who happens to be online, glad you're there. And so we're going to go ahead and get started. That's all right? Are we good, video folks? All right, welcome to our first session what is going to be a 12-part session on basically on just basic systematic theology. Here at the Grove Church, we really value uh, talking about God in a way that is very practical and really down-to-earth, especially on Sundays when people have just any sort of background to feel like that they can come and hear God's truth. But we want to be able to create something, some sort of uh, a video series that you can use either in your small groups and one-to-one or any kind of setting kind of help you go to another level in the depth of your knowledge. And so this first series, it's going to be a 12-part series, is on systematic theology. 
which is a really fancy word. And so if, you're, if you've been around the Grove, um, you'll know we don't use a lot of fancy words. But today, it's just going to be fancy word overload. And so systematic theology, so make sure you even understand what we're talking about. Theology is the study of God. Anytime you have an ology at the end of something, it's going to be the study of. And so theology is the study of God. And what systematic theology is, is when you're able to take the different aspects of the things that Christians believe, their theology, and put it into good categories. Where I understand what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It's a category. It's a system. I understand what the Bible says about the Bible. I understand what the Bible says about the church. And so you're able to put theology into different categories. And you're able to put these different categories. You can kind of understand, big picture, um, what are the truths that we need to believe as, as followers of Christ. And so I've been going through Philippians with, one, uh, with a small group that I lead. And this passage, this passage just came up this week. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. This is Paul praying for the Philippians. He's talking to them. He says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So these people, man, they've been walking with God. They understood God, and they were following him. And he saw, Paul saw some lack. And he said, man, I want your love for God to grow. But the way that your love for God needs to grow is in your knowledge and depth of insight. And when your knowledge and your depth of your insight grows, then you're, what you're able to do is you're more able to easily discern the thing that you're supposed to do. You can able to know what is best, and then once you know what's best and you're able to choose what's best, you're able to be pure and blameless, and God is able to grow your character. And so we want to make sure, as we're thinking about how um, we are growing in our relationship with Christ, that so we're also growing in our knowledge. And one of those key areas for us is, again, is what we're calling systematic theology. And so in systematic theology, for the most part, they break things down into ten categories. And we already have these ten fancy categories here, right here on the board. And so we have these ten, and these are kind of the basic ten categories for systematic theology. And the first one is called the theology proper, which if theology, pro if theology is the study of God, then what theology proper is, well, specifically who God is. What does the Bible say about God in particular? So the, the Bible will say, we'll talk about a lot of different things, but what exactly does the Bible say about who God is? The second one... Bibliology, and some of these you might be able to guess from the prefixes. This is what um, what we believe about the Bible. And so the Bible speaks about itself. It speaks about its origins. It speaks about its power. It speaks about God's involvement in it and how we need to use it and what God will do when we do in us when we do use it. So the study of the Bible is bibliology. Angelology is the study of angels, Satan, and demons. So, topic that in some circles gets talked about a lot. Seems like it gets talked about either a lot or none at all. Um, but there are real um, angelic spiritual beings out there. Some that are opposed us and some that are with us. And they are real and the Bible speaks a lot about that. Category number four is anthropology. It's also something I suppose that you could study in, you, know, you, can, you can study outside of theology. But it's the, basically it's the, it's the what does the Bible say about people. 
through our people? How do they come about? How do they relate to God? What is, what is, what is our nature? What does the Bible say about us? Hamartiology um, comes from the, the, the word here is hamartia, which is the word for sin. Um, and, and the word sin, hamartia, is a, again, it's an archery term that means to, to miss the mark. And so, so hamartia is, is the Greek word for sin. And so hamartiology is the study, what does the Bible say about sin? Christology is pretty straightforward. It's a study of Jesus. Soteriology is the study of salvation. So when we say, you know, I became a Christian, I give my life to Christ, I'm going to be saved, what does that mean? The study of that is soteriology. Pneumatology, pneuma, breath, spirit, is the study of the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiology, coming from the Greek word ekklesia, which is the study of the church. And eschatology is the study of the end times. And for the longest time, when I have, you know, I used, you know, I've led Bible studies for quite some time, you have to be very careful to say, okay, guys, we can study whatever you guys want to study. And nine times out of ten, at least it used to be back in the 90s anyway, we'd be like, oh, man, I want to study Revelation in the end times. I want to learn about crazy judgments and things and lightning and bowls and judgments and all these crazy things. So you don't ever ask. Don't ever ask. Don't ever ask. Don't ever ask. But anyway, it's one of the ten, and we'll actually talk about it. All right, so these are the ten categories. And what we'll do is we'll spend at least one session talking about each one of those and kind of go in-depth really on kind of the best, uh, what I think is the most important aspect of each one of those for our basic understanding of systematic theology. And so to help you understand kind of where I'm coming from as far as how we need to approach this, I think we need to start with, well, well why, are we, why, why, why is this necessary at all? Because I know that there are a lot of people that think that the study of theology is something that you do in seminary, it's, it's really dry, it's boring. But, you know, if you think about your Christian life, there's typically, I mean, you can break it down a lot of different ways, but let's just break it down into four. There's certain things that you need to know, you know, about my relationship, and it's based on things that I know. It's, or no, man, it's not, it's not what you know, it's, it's, it's an emotional, passionate Relationship with God. So, you know, no, it's not that. It's about having good character and living a good life. No, it's about that. It's about, it's about serving. It's about serving and doing the things that God's called you to. Well, really, it's all of those things. And as that passage in Philippians 1 says, man, it's really important um, for us, for, for us to grow in our knowledge. That is an important piece. And so, you know, for, for most of us who at least, you know, or have begun a relationship with God or walking with God, we understand things a little bit. But for a lot of us, as, as, as God is calling us to kind of get to the next level, the depth, like, like Paul said, the depth of our insight needs to grow. So I was thinking about a couple of examples. So um, if I made this non-theological statement and I said, um, uh, you need gas to operate a car. Right? Just a real basic principle, right? You don't have to have a whole lot of depth of insight, except that when the thing gets close to E, go to gas station, put gas in the car. Now, I have no idea how that works. I don't know what gasoline really is. I don't know how gasoline gets into an engine and does anything. I just know that if you put the gasoline in there, cargo. That's, that's all I know. So... I will be fine. I will, if you let me borrow your car, I will not. It will not run out of gas. I know that it needs gas. It'll be fine. If you want someone to operate on your broken engine, you probably need someone who understands 
and, and a little more depth of insight as to um, what does it mean? How do engines work? How do cars work? And if you're certainly going to build a car, I mean, if you're going to manufacture a new car, there's a new depth and level of insight. And so you, we may have the kind of insight that gets us to a certain level, but what if God's calling us to something deeper? Well, here's something, here's another statement that is um, a little more significant, which is this. I am my daughter's dad. Okay? If I have three daughters, one is 19, one is 16, one is 5. And they all three understand that I am their dad. Yep. What does it mean to the five-year-old? What, what, is, what, is what does dad even mean? What, it, it, what, 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 does she, what does she think? Well, for her, it's just as simple as he's the guy that loves me and takes care of me. It is a very simple, pure, beautiful, relational thing that she believes. And that is perfectly satisfactory for where she is at five. But there is going to come a day in her life where that knowledge about who I am and what it means for me to be her dad. Uh, and again, her relationship is different than her, older, than her older two sisters because she's adopted. And so she begins to understand, man, what does it mean to be a dad? And what does it mean to be an adopted daughter? Her depth and knowledge and her insight is going to continue to grow. And as it does, our relationship will grow. Her knowledge and confidence in who she is and our relationship will grow. And so there are some basic truths that we believe and understand as followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe we understand them just a little bit. But the greater and deeper that we can go, not only will we grow in our own relationship, but then God will be able to help us, um, use us to help other people. So as we think about, again, just kind of these categories, I think it's important for us because if, if you know, it, it seems to be pretty common that churches like to fight about things and, and, and we like to 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 attack each other, and, 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 and we don't seem to really know the, the difference between really things that all Christians believe and the things that unite us, and the things that we disagree on, and it should just be fine. It can just be fine. We don't all have to agree on everything, but what happens is, is we think, well, this is what I believe, and, if I, and I'm a Christian, and this is what Christians believe, and all Christians should believe it, if they don't believe it, just, you know, we just get out of control. And so I think there's another category that I think it's important for us as we are figuring out, man, what it is that I believe, what it is Christians believe, and how to interact with people who see things just a little bit different. So I have kind of four categories that I would like uh, to talk about. And the first one is this, and this is probably, I mean, you know, we start at the bottom. I mean, this is the most important one. What are the things that are essential? When I say essential, I mean to become a Christian. It's the kind of thing... That if you believe the, if you believe these things, you are a Christian. If you do not believe these things, you are not a Christian. There are things that make people Christians, and there are things that make people Muslims. Things that make people Christians, things that make people Buddhists. There are things that make people Christians, things that make people Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. Things that are Christian-ish, Jesus-affiliated, but are not Christian. And so what are those things? It is, it is those things that you essentially must believe in order to be a Christian. Okay? And on top of that, 
I'm, I'm going to say, and this is where my little my little drawing here gets way out of bounds. And maybe five years from now I'll have a better drawing. Because I, what I'm going to say here is foundational. And you're like, dude, you can't call something foundational. And it's not the bottom layer. You know, like, you know, by definition of foundation. Like, dude, that's your foundation. But let's just say, essential to become a Christian versus foundational for Christian living. And so these are the things, these are the things that get you in the door. Now maybe as I'm saying this, someone more creative than me is going to come up with a better illustration just even the next few minutes. Right? These are the things that make you a Christian. But these are the things that every Christian, once you are a Christian, really must believe. Because if you get off on one of these things, if you just get off just a little bit, you're going to find yourself in real trouble soon. Okay? And so these are the things, you know, you, you may not understand them right away when you become a Christian, but you better quit get on board with kind of these foundational truths. And on top of that are things that we're just going to say, I mean, these things are important. They're important, uh, you know, just you know, important to understand. And, 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 you know, I, under, I, under, I understand kind of the issues here. I understand why Christians see these things in different ways. I've looked at it, I've studied, I've read, I've thought about it, and this is, this is what I believe, and I think this is important, but I'm not going to get bent out of shape that um, this person over here, this church down the street or across town or whatever, sees this a little bit different. And then on top of that, I just want to make sure that we have this category. Man, there's just some things, man, that are just interesting. You know, I mean, this one... Eschatology, you know, what is the seventh bold judgment and when the trumpet blows and who's going to do this and what. And like, people get really interesting about that, especially, you know, there's books and movies and, you know, what you can illustrate in cool little timelines. And it's kind of interesting. But, you know, whether or not when you think Jesus is going to come back and what it's going to look like, I mean, it's, it's not particularly foundational to, to your Christian faith. And so these are these four categories and I think that it is really important for us to make sure that as we're thinking about the things that we believe, and they kind of come in these categories, man, what really goes into these? And this, I think this is a really important, cool exercise for you as you think about what goes down here at the bottom. Because if we're going to be people who are effectively sharing Christ, sharing the gospel with people, we need to make sure that we're sharing everything that they need to know. And so everything that goes in here is everything that you need to tell them. And so and it's for you to think, man, what are the things? Like, these are the things that I must believe. These are, these are things you need to understand. These are the things, they're not really optional, but they're kind of net. And so to be able to think about, do I understand what is essential to the gospel? And so there's this verse that, people, that, that Paul uses and people like to quote where Paul's kind of getting on to people who like think that they're really eloquent, really fancy in the way that they talk. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So a real simple... Now, I, there's lots of things you can talk about. There's lots of, there's lots of things, lots of uh, 
cool ideas out there, lots of things to think about, things are real important. But when I came to you, this is it. And so he just, this is just it. This is everything. Just these two, one, two, three, four, five words. And so, you know, I get the feeling that this is Paul's answer to this. And that sounds really good. That sounds really simple. But can we just break those five words down a little bit? I'll say it a little bit different because this is a phrase that we like to use. Jesus died for my sins. Now you want to share the gospel with a seven-year-old, six-year-old out there with little kids? Man, you want to say you know, you understand Jesus Christ died for your sins. Man, you talk to a kid, you say it enough, man, they understand in a real simple, basic way. They understand. Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. Okay. And he said, well, then there's only one thing that's essential. And it's you can say it in five words. Well, I have a few follow-up questions. Who's that? Okay. I mean, just imagine you're saying these five words to someone who has no familiarity at all with Christianity. And you say, man, there's only one thing that you need to believe. Jesus died for my sins. You're like, who's Jesus? What's a sin? And how on earth does one person dying have anything to do with my sin? Even if I figure out who Jesus is, even if I figure out what a sin is, what does this dude dying for my sin? How does his death have anything to do with my sins? I mean, you can replace it. Jesus bought a bunny rabbit for my sins. I mean, what what is his death? And honestly, we have this pronoun here. Who, Who are you? And so in these five words, I need to understand who is Jesus? And what specifically about Jesus do I need to know? He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was being born a virgin? Does that matter? I mean, we talk about him dying, but he also came back to life. Is that important? That seems like a big deal. We celebrate Easter all the time. What do I need to know about Jesus? You can say it's simple. But there's a lot here in just that one word. And then to explain how does one person, who, whoever he may be, how does his death affect me at all? What does it mean? You know, then you start talking about you know, Jesus being a sacrifice. And in order to understand that, you need to understand what a sin is. And what a sin is, is you know, a, uh, you know, something bad that you've done against God. God, now you're bringing this guy into the equation. <laughs> Who's that? And what on earth do I have to do with him? Because none of this matters if he doesn't even care who you are. And so there's some things on God cares about me. It matters what I do. And so these are some very basic theological truths that we put into this real compact statement. Jesus died for my sins. But you could, you, you could spend um, hours, days, volumes of books reading and, and, and never get past these five words. To understand really who Jesus is. To understand really what his death means. To really understand exactly what it means that I was created by God. That I'm created in the image of God. That we're a unique creation of God. That, that it, we're in his image and that we have a soul. And that our sins 
legitimately separates us from God. And it's not just sins that we commit, but we actually were born with a sin nature that, 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 that makes us where sin is inevitable for us. And, and this sin separates us from God. And this God, even though he is merciful, he is also holy. And you could just sit here and just go and go and go and never get past the essentials. And that's why, again, it's, kind of, it's really important for us to never lose sight of the fact that most of the depth that we need is found in this simple sentence. Now, there are a lot of things that fall outside of this. But really, the bulk of our time and our mental energy as we're thinking about what it is I believe as a Christian, most of it needs to be spent right here. Understanding what this simple five-word sentence means. And so then you put on top of that, you talk about foundational things. And there's some things that I'm gonna, I, I may put here, and you may look at it and say, man, I think you need to bump that down a level. And that's kind of real interesting. What if I were to say that I believe you know, that, that the Bible is God's word, authoritative word. And I'm going to put that here. But that that's not essential. He's like, well, it is essential. Well, well then if, that, if it is essential, Jesus died. You need that? What's the gospel? Jesus died for my sins and the Bible is true. You may say, well, it's implied because this idea of Jesus died for my sins I got from the Bible. So, well, I, I get it. These are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. You know, where, where, does, where does that fall? Some people say, like, man, is, is, is there a borderline case here? It's like, well, it's like, it's like the one that's like immediately next. <laughs> but, again, it's a great mental exercise. Once we figured out what the gospel is, well, now I need to think, now, what are the two, three, four, five things that I need to make sure that I am completely clear on. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the next session. We talk about God, that God is a trinity. Where does that go? We've already put God here. Do you need to understand what the trinity means in order to be a Christian? And my guess is everybody in the room and on the internet and who's watching this is saying, I hope not. But I don't think I do, right? But it's important. It really is, I'm going to say, it's foundational to have at least a certain knowledge about the character and, and, and the nature of who God is. Because if we, if we fall in error there, as people have historically for hundreds and now thousands of years, if you find yourself in a cult real quick, right? And so then there's some things, I'm just going to put one here on the important one. Um, I'm just going to say right here, some people speak in tongues. Some people speak in tongues, some people don't. Some of the people who speak in tongues say everybody should speak in tongues, and some of the people who don't speak in tongues say nobody should speak in tongues, right? And so you kind of got this whole thing, and it's important. You need to study it. You need to understand. You need to understand the, the gifts of the Spirit and what that means, and you need to come to a conclusion for your own life based on what you believe the Scripture says. But the fact, you need to understand, wherever it is you come down on that, you need to understand that there are great, awesome, potentially greater and more awesome than you people out there who have come to the opposite conclusion. And can we learn to be the kind of people that can disagree about something that's important, yet we trust each other in the foundational and the essential things?
And then interesting, I mean, I've already mentioned one, eschatology. Another one, we'll just, make, we'll just put one up here. Head coverings. Anybody know about that? Head coverings. Anybody know nobody even cares about that anymore? Like, we don't even notice it. Like, let's go ahead just, you know, it says, you know, women, women should have their head covered and men shouldn't. And it's crazy. And it seems like so obvious to Paul. And people like, you know, people like to banter about that. No one banters about it anymore. It's kind of interesting. He says that. What does that mean? And seem to be a whole lot of people are doing that it's right there in the Bible says you're supposed to well it's, in- it's an interesting conversation <laughs> right I would not say that it is essential I would not say it's foundational I'm not even going to say it's important it's just interesting but here's the problem here's the problem historically when I say we're going to get together and talk about theology most people want to invert this diagram Let's spend all our time talking about these weird, obscure, interesting things. And, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I don't know. No, you don't. I don't. I've been studying this in depth. I have a, a master's degree in it. If one can actually master divinity, I've mastered divinity. I've got a piece of paper that says so. I've got good grades and everything. <laughs> and I still... I still find myself, I mean, I've, been, I've, been, I've been studying Romans with a group of guys, and, and I find myself even more, I think I, even in the last three months, I understand this in a way that I don't think I ever have before. I'm 45 years old, and I'm hoping at 55, 65, 75, that this, my depth and knowledge and insight will grow here um, every year for the rest of my life. And then I want to continue to be solid on these things. And I want to be able to continue to understand these things and interact well with people who disagree. And, and sure, there's lots of interesting things in the Bible. Lots of curious things. Lots of, and we want to talk about them. But it's going to be real important. And I, it's important for me and I think it's important for all of you to make sure that we're starting here. And so as we spend some time together over, over, you know, over these next several sessions, I, I want you to know, for me, that this is where we're going to spend almost all of our time. And, and, and that may be disappointing to some, and so maybe we can, we can have some bonus sessions another time that says, 10 weird, interesting things in the Bible, and what's up with that anyway? We'll, we'll just call it that. That's going to be the name of the session. What's up with that anyway? All right. So that concludes kind of the end of our session one. And so what we're going to do, we're starting in our next session, we're going to kind of work our way through these um, one at a time, just kind of looking at one or two really important aspects of it. And so I encourage you to continue uh, to join us um, on session two. Thanks so much for being with us. All right. Questions, thoughts, ideas, comments, anything? Do you have a specified criteria for separating two or three? These two? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, to, to, to me, I really want to be the kind of person that is as open as possible. I, I used to be the opposite of that. There was a time in my life, I mean, in, in, when I was in college and in my years after college, man, man, I had very specific thoughts on every specific thing and everything that was in my circle was right. And how and if, if what I believe is right, how can I tolerate wrong? 
And um, over the years, um, I, I really have softened a lot on that. And so what I really try to do is I, I try to draw a real hard line here. And then really, once you kind of get to the difference between two and three, it really is just kind of experientially, you just kind of look at what are the things that have made cults become cults? And what are the things that, when, when you get a little bit off on them, what are some of the things that really just seem to shipwreck a person's faith real quick? Um, some things that I would put into that category um, are uh, the, what, what, what some people call once saved, always saved, which isn't great. I don't love that name. I like for the name security of the believer. Because if you begin to believe that my salvation is dependent on my on how good I am in the years to come, then I'm going to lose sight of the fact that this whole thing was free in the first place. And so people get off on that. And most cults start by forgetting who Jesus really is or eliminating the Holy Spirit in some way. And here in just a few minutes we're going to talk about the Trinity and kind of the two extremes that people have gone to historically on the, on the Trinity. And so I put those, those, those things in there. Obviously the Bible is really important. Once you kind of start, once you kind of crack the lid a little bit, oh, I mean, you can't trust everything in the Bible. Well, next thing you know, you're not trusting anything in the Bible. And so I, I come to it, I mean, obviously I've got at least one thing that the Bible says that I'm like, it's not, I mean, like, we, 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 we have to have good interpretation methods, and we have to understand the difference between something that is universally true forever and some things that just kind of speak to individual circumstances at a different time. But that does not mean that it's not all authoritatively the word God. So we, we start to get off that people drift. I'm going to add one to this that you, you, if you want to come back to and talk about it in session one, two, three, four. Okay? Did Adam and Eve have parents? That has to do with creation and evolution. And so you can believe a lot of things, and you get lots of things all over the map, and it's billions of years old, it's thousands of years old, somewhere in between. It said six days, but a day to Jesus, to God, is like a billion years, fine. But if Adam and Eve had parents, then I'm not sure I understand what this is. Okay? And, 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 and I don't know who I am. If I'm a unique creation of God, created in his image, very distinct from the rest of creation, if you want to believe, again, I'll tell you what I believe here in a few weeks, you can, you can believe how many you want to, about evolving you know, fish into, into amphibians, the lizards, and birds. And, okay. But if you believe that Adam and Eve had parents, and, and, and they saw those parents die, or you don't believe that Adam and Eve even existed, you are just real close to just going completely off the rails on this. And so, it, to me, it's kind of these things that are just kind of one-offs. He's like, he's like, you don't have to understand that to get in, but they're the, really the things that kind of, again, that kind of undergird the gospel really well. And so, Where does the Ten Commandments fit into it? Where would you put that in the Ten Commandments? Because there's a lot of that. Really. Yeah, I mean, so... Kind of the thing that, that um, when you start talking about the commands of God, and that, now that kind of gets into what is and isn't sin. And so 
to, to, to know that, that anything that is against the will of God is a sin. I mean, that, that's pretty essential. Now, it takes good Bible study methods to know what in the Old Testament still applies today, which is a thing that we're all over the map on and we're just completely stupid about. Can I say that? Are we still... I mean, we just say stupid things. We just, we, we just, we, 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 we'll yank an Old Testament verse out and say that, that somehow that proves something when right next to it is a verse you don't believe. And then there's some other group that does the exact opposite. Picks the verse that you say is definitely out and use it against you. And like, well, that verse not in. Well, you just said that verse right there. And we just fight. And we don't have any real, again, system, categories, knowledge, basis to say, I know what the Old Testament applies to me. What if it doesn't? You know? And so there's some great verses in the Old Testament. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mount on wings of eagles. <laughs> um, if my people who are humble, you know, humble and call by my name, humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. Newsflash, that doesn't have anything to do with America. It just doesn't. It just, it just doesn't. But it's a powerful verse that in principle is that God brings healing when his two people, when, when they humble themselves and pray. The question is, what land does a Christian have? Well, America. Like, now we're in something completely different. Okay? And so, now the, the, all this is just teasers to get you to come back. <laughs> and so, I mean, and, and so, and so we may figure out some way to kind of bring some of that in when we talk about bibliology next time, not today, to have a really good way of being able to approach the Old Testament. So, like, man, I'm learning a lot about the character of God. I'm learning timeless truths about God. I'm learning the way that God interacted with Israel during that time. But he's also, these timeless truths are one thing, but the, char the character of God doesn't change. The way that he feels about people doesn't change, but the way that he has chosen to interact. He, he used to work primarily through a nation. Now he doesn't do that anymore. Well, that changes something. Everybody knows it changes something. Do we have a good way of, do we have a solid defensible system by which we can say, that, well, that, that, that this is why I use this verse that way, this is why I can't use that verse that way, and anyways. Talk all day. I guess that's why we're here. <laughs> Any other questions or anything? With this one or this yeah, one? Yeah, those, yeah. This one. To the left. This. Yes, those okay. right um, In your opinion, I mean, uh, I know essential, obviously, is for belief. The next is kind of as Christians in our daily walk or whatever. In your opinion, in foundational or important, where do you feel like a lot of cults kind of hit, like a specific issue or something that they hit if a person isn't grounded, like in this type of stuff? Foundational, like, like you said, the Okay, well, let's just, we'll, we'll just focus on the top two, and if you have another one in mind, um, we can. Both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they're very different. They're not the same. By the way, they're very different. But the two things that they have in common is they, they both have very different ideas about who Jesus is. Um, the, the one thing that they would have in common is that they both believe that Jesus was God's first special creation as opposed to being eternally the Son of God. How they talk about that is very radically different. And so typically, uh, it's, it has something to do with denying who Jesus is, and it has something to do, almost always, with a works-based salvation. 
So Jesus dying for my sins, implied of what we mean by Jesus dying for my sins, is that this is a free gift of God. We will talk about that. We are going to spend two of our sessions on soteriology because that is so important. And so the, the, the big part of it is that it is a free gift. It is free. It is something that God gives. It is not something you have to pay for in advance. It's not a payment plan that you pay for after the fact. It is something that God gives to you free. And so um, if you say that to a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, I mean, they, they, sometimes both of those groups are very creative in trying to make you feel like they agree. Oh, we're the same, we're the same, we're the same, we're the same. You start talking about how God's salvation is a free gift, completely and totally by grace, and you just hammer that, eventually you'll get, oh, yeah, we are, we are different. And if you say that that is 